Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Iowa Pharmacy Association's What, Why, and How podcast. My name is Brett Barker, and it's a pleasure to be with you again for this podcast. With me today, I have Seth Brown, who is our new Director of Public Affairs that joined our team a few weeks ago um, on our advocacy efforts. Uh, how are you, Seth? Doing good, Brett. Happy to join. And then, as usual, we have our Board of Pharmacy expert with us, Sue Mears. Hi, Sue. Hey, good morning. So yesterday, the Board of Pharmacy met in open session. There were several things of note uh, that we wanted to talk about for this podcast for our members, so you can learn the what, why, and how of the actions that were taken. So first thing, the board has been working on updated security and controlled substance accountability rules for quite some time. There were multiple versions that went out for notice, a lot of comment that was received. I know some refinements that are made. Um, so I know those go into effect here next week. And the board did um, adopt and file in March, so it wasn't actually it took yesterday, but just because it is a large change, there's been some changes along the way to make sure that our members are totally up to date on those changes. Can you provide a summary of those new rules and what licensees should be prepared for? Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, I think it's good to, to get a little review. Um, they do go into effect next week. Um, so, you know, one of the big pieces is the security component. So the board is looking for a basic alarm system and a video surveillance system in pharmacies. Um, and a couple things to note is uh, this provision of the rule doesn't actually take effect for a year. So pharmacies will have until July 6th of 2023 to have these components in place. Um, and then the other um, thing that we've noticed is there's been some confusion on and, and we probably certainly could have done a better job in our, our filing information um, is this rule is in chapter six, which is um, applies to general community pharmacies and it does not apply to hospitals. Hospitals are covered in chapter seven and they have their own security rules. So that's one distinction I think is important for people uh, to keep in mind. Um, and then the rest of the rulemaking components, they do go into effect next week. Um, so just some, some of the highlights of things that people need to be um, getting in order um, is looking at separating duties um, as far as the, the life process of the controlled substance in the pharmacy of purchasing, receiving, stocking, dispensing, reconciling, having as many different people involved in those processes as possible so it's not one person throughout that continuum um, to provide some um, better oversight and lessen the chance of diversion through that process. Um, reconciling schedule twos after each um, use and receipt. Um, that's, you know, maybe something that will be um, something new for pharmacies, um, but hopefully get it worked into your process and then um, you can have complete and total accountability of your C2s. Um, the board is looking for an accountability program uh, that pharmacies will review their inventory adjustments regularly. They'll look at review um, or look at patterns of loss and then create an action plan following if they do have a loss that they'll figure out an action plan of what happened and how can, they can prevent it from happening again. Um, as far as annual or any inventory that's taken, um, a significant change was that now we'll be required to have an exact count um, or measure for every product, not just C2s. Um, so really this, this hopefully shouldn't be a super big problem. Um, the estimation um, allowance that there used to be was only for products in quantities of 100 or less. 
So you're talking smaller bottles that now have to be counted by exact count. Um, so hopefully, um, hopefully that won't be too much of a problem, um, but it's, it's really hard to, to audit and know that you, you have accountability of your substances if you just were estimating on an inventory. So exact counts for inventories, um, a change relating to um, taking inventory when there's a pick change, it will now be required every time there's a change of pick, including um, an interim or temporary pick. Um, and then the board is looking for some type of mechanism to ensure accountability of schedule three through five products. Um, and the rule in uh, 10.20 offers three different options. And so I think there's some confusion that people um, may be interpreting it to mean that they have to utilize all three components or three measures. And that's not the case. It's just pick one of those three, or if you have another mechanism that will ensure accountability of those products, you know, then the board is willing to entertain that, um, that idea or that option. So they're just looking to make sure that, that pharmacies know what they should have on hand of those products and that they do have um, those counts on hand. Um, and then again, uh, the action, action plan following a loss that they actually um, evaluate, thoroughly evaluate what happened with the loss, even if it's, you know, a break-in, you know, clearly maybe there was something that uh, could be um, could be done differently at the pharmacy to prevent another break-in. Um, so that goes through the rules. And I think um, the board, you know, we would just strongly, strongly encourage anybody if you're concerned about being in compliance with all of this um, by July 6th, please just reach out to your assigned compliance officer. You know, we'll work with you and come up with um, a plan to make sure that you're um, working towards compliance, right? So that's the goal is ultimate compliance and, um, but we're willing to work with you. And on that, Sue, we talked about the what and, you know, what to expect, you know, for those that may not have been following as closely, maybe briefly hit on the why and the board was wanting to take those actions. Yeah, over the last several years, um, the board has just seen a number of cases of break-ins and diversions. Um, and then when you do try to do an audit, there's wild um, that the, the pharmacy cannot account for the products or they're, they're really far off their numbers. So um, they're just very, very concerned about the status of controlled substances and um, the lack of accountability in a number of cases. Um, so they just really feel like there's not enough security and accountability out there. And that's probably not something that the general public would see because those are investigations that are not public, um, but that's that's kind of the heart of where that's coming from. Thank you, Sue. So a new rule was adopted and filed yesterday about remote technician work. Uh, can you give our listeners some background on that rule? Yeah, so um, during you know the COVID pandemic, uh, the board had a stance of um, enforcement discretion, right? And um, letting, letting pharmacies um, handle their prescription processing um, activities um, remotely as long as they could um, ensure some security um, and oversight. And so once you know we're out of the pandemic, they really wanted to um, take a look at the rules and, and, and see if that is a situation that could continue. If it could be done safely and securely, um, then the board wanted to allow pharmacies the ability to continue that. Um, so what the, the rulemaking that was adopted 
allows for uh, the pharmacist to delegate technical functions relating to prescription processing, like data, you know, data processing, data entry under just specific conditions, um, but to an Iowa registered certified pharmacy technician performing those functions at a location other than where the supervising pharmacist is physically located. Um, and so one of the, the questions that had been raised during the public comment period was if the technician would have to be physically located in Iowa um, and that, um, no, the, the answer to that is no, that as long as they're Iowa registered and they're certified and all of the, uh, the security and oversight um, provisions are in place, the technician could be anywhere. Um, and the conditions that would be required is that there has to be adequate security and supervision maintained at all times to prevent unauthorized access to and unauthorized storage or transfer of confidential patient information or records. And the supervising pharmacist has to have real-time access to the prescription processing system that's being used or the patient records that the technician is processing. And the technician has to have access to the supervising pharmacist via a real-time communication mechanism. And the prescription processing system has to be capable of documenting the functions performed by the technician. And the rulemaking also allows a pharmacist to provide patient counseling via real-time interactive communication when the pharmacist is at a location other than the licensed pharmacy. And so we'll get those rules filed. And then once they are published in the bulletin, they'll be effective 35 days later. Very good. Um, were there any other rulemaking actions that folks should have their eyes on from yesterday? Yeah, I think just a, a couple. Um, so the board also adopted to amend chapter eight uh, universal practice standards in chapter 19, non-resident pharmacy practice, and the components that would impact Iowa pharmacies relate to the ownership, how to handle ownership changes for pharmacies. Um, and so uh, the board took out some of the language that will hopefully make ownership changes a little bit more, a, a narrow focus on what constitutes an ownership change. Um, and also it, it um, aligns with how the DEA is handling registrations for ownership changes. So we're trying to get in alignment with DEA and make it a little bit easier for pharmacies um, that when maybe their parent company is, is being bought out, but the pharmacy itself um, continues to exist. And I'm probably not explaining that very well, but um, hopefully it's easier and less burdensome for pharmacies. And then the other component that I think is um, important for pharmacies to know is that it, the rules provide a process that a pharmacy can utilize to temporarily relocate their pharmacy operations in response to a disaster or emergency that would otherwise render the pharmacy unsafe. And, and certainly situations have come up in the past where pharmacies have had to relocate with a fire or you know, a tornado or a derecho. Um, and you know, we've worked with those pharmacies individually um, and you know, we make it work and do you know what the pharmacy needs to do to take care of patients, but this provides um, a little bit more formal guidance for how to how to process that and how to how to handle that when it happens. So same situation, we'll get it filed, and it, once it publishes, it'll be effective 35 days after that. And the other one is just a notice of intended action at this point to uh, proposing to amend Chapter 23 Care Facility Pharmacy Practice. Um, and this is just one simple change in that chapter. And this was, um, you know, the board is required by law to do an overall review of all of their 
administrative rules every five years. And so as part of that process, uh, we put out a request for feedback from stakeholders. Um, and this was a suggestion from a care facility pharmacy stakeholder to um, amend the rule to provide a timeframe that a care facility has to provide documentation back to the provider pharmacy relating to administration of vaccines provided by the pharmacy for an immunization or screening program. Um, so the current rule kind of is just pretty vague, um, just says that they have to submit back to the pharmacy provider a list of the patients that they use that um, product on. So the rule amendment would propose to say that that information has to be back to the pharmacy within seven days following administration of the vaccine. So we'll get that filed and that will publish. And once it's published, it'll open the public comment period for 21 days. Um, so we encourage people to take a look at that and submit their comments if they have any. The board also reviewed updated statewide protocols uh, for naloxone immunizations and tobacco cessation. Uh, what are the highlights of these changes? When do they go in effect and where can people find these protocols? Yeah. Um, yep. So it was about just that time of year. The board um, has these uh, statewide protocols that our board issued um, in collaboration with the medical director of the um, Department of Public Health. So it was just been a year since they last reviewed them. So the naloxone, not a whole lot significant there, um, just removing some of those brand name products of the, the nasal spray kits and the auto injector um, with the availability of generic naloxone nasal kits, um, just removing those brand names um, to lessen confusion. And then as far as the, the auto injector, Evzio has been removed from the market. So getting that product name out of there um, those are basically the only changes, um, and that will be effective. That was effective yesterday when the board approved it. And then um, once those get updated, they'll be updated on our website here in the coming days. The immunization protocol just had an update to uh, clarify that a pharmacist can delegate the administration of the vaccine to a registered nurse who is actively licensed in Iowa. Um, and those, because of the board's legislative bill, um, they will be able to delegate to a nurse, a licensed nurse that that person will not have to also be registered as a technician in Iowa anymore. And that protocol won't be effective until July 1st because that's when the board's, um, when that law will be effective. So that you won't see on the website till at least July 1st. And then the last one was the nicotine replacement uh, tobacco cessation. Um, and that one had a few more changes. Um, the changes are intended to make it a little bit more flexible for pharmacists to utilize. Just cleaned up some of the language, changing it from smoking cessation to tobacco cessation. Um, and then removing the, the section related to contraindications. Um, and then providing a, uh, again, a time frame for when the pharmacist needs to provide information back to the patient's primary care provider that they've dispensed that to the patient. So they would have to send that information within two weeks of providing that medication. And so that one um, was effective yesterday as soon as the board um, approved it. And that will be uploaded and updated on the website here anytime now in the coming days. Very good. 
during reports, there was a presentation about the PMP integration project, which is pretty informative. Um, can you give us a high level of what that entails and how folks can get more inter in information if they're interested in integrating with the PMP? Yeah, I mean, so the program is that allows pharmacies to um, be connected with the PMP in such a way that it automatically provides that PMP data within their um, processing system. So they don't have to have a separate login and, and separately get into the PMP to access that data. So if pharmacies are interested in exploring that, um, they I encourage them to reach out to our PMP administrative staff um, and their contact information can be found on the board's website. Very good. You know, covered a lot of ground. It was a good informative meeting yesterday. The next one, I believe, was in August. Is that correct, Sue? Yes, August 23-24, looks like. Okay, so you'll, you'll hear from all of us again at the end of August. Um, it was a pleasure getting to introduce our members to Seth. And I know you'll get to see a lot more of him in the coming months. And as usual, Sue, uh, thank you for filling us in and enlightening us on the what, why, and how of the Board of Pharmacy's actions yesterday. So thank you both very much for joining. Thanks. Thank you.